0: It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com.
2: All right, everybody. We are live on YouTube and Twitter. I'm waiting for Paul Dennett to turn up, but he'll be here very shortly. So I thought this would be a good time for people to join the stream and um, join me and Paul soon. Talking cricket, I've just retweeted it. I would say the best place to watch these live shows is on YouTube. If you subscribe to our YouTube channel, then you get to um, you get notified whenever we go live. Unlike um, when you're say watching on Twitter, where you're sort of scrolling, YouTube's probably a better experience. So, if you are um, thinking of keeping an eye on all these broadcasts, go to our YouTube page. Um, the links are. On our um, Twitter pages and in the show notes. Uh, Thanks everybody for watching. We're here to talk about the big performance last night from Australia, beating Sri Lanka by seven wickets in their second T20 World Cup game. It was a much more convincing performance than their first game against South Africa. They struggled. To, tar- to run down the target in the first game, but they cruised to victory against Sri Lanka after being set 155 to win. They got there with 18 balls to spare and with seven wickets in hand, so it gives their net run rate a boost. I guess let's start with the um, the Australian team. They had they made no changes from the the first match, so they're sticking with their. Um, seven, seven batters, basically with Matthew Wade keeping and playing at seven. And then they've got the, um, the three quick bowlers and one spinner of Adam Zampa and Sri Lanka batted first. Did they win the toss? They won the, so Australia won the toss. Hello, Jose. Uh, I don't know where Paul is and hopefully he'll show up at some time. I've got some big news for him. Anyway, um, you know, Australia won the toss. They sent Sri Lanka in and Sri Lanka got off to a good start. They were smashing the ball all around and they looked like they were going to send a big total. But then Adam Zampa came in and bowled an excellent spell. His four overs just went for 12 runs and he took two wickets. And that put the brakes on Sri Lanka. They got off to a good start because um Asalanka. here's Paul Dennett. Paul, welcome. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Can you hear me?
1: Oh. I can. A miracle. I didn't realize well, when you said two o'clock, you're going to go literally live. That's very prompt of you. Sorry. I'm late.
2: Well, you know, I like to keep the fans happy. I've just been warming people up, <laughs> retweeting the broadcast and telling people where they can listen. So you came at the perfect time. Um, so, yeah, I was just saying Sri Lanka got off to a fast start with that but Zampa then really sort of pulled them
1: back. And that was a vital spell. Wonderful spell. Um, and um, Stark Yorker was pretty impressive as well. And from that moment on, it was pretty clear that it was only going to be um, uh, a mediocre title. But they, they improved a little bit towards the end as well, Sri Lanka.
2: Yeah, they did. And they sort of scrapped to 154. Again, excellent bowling by Stark and Hazelwood. The only element that was exposed was the sort of fifth bowler. They really, they, they went after Maxwell and Stoinis.
1: Yeah, and I've seen an article today saying this. You know, the problem for Australia's fifth bowler. I think this is very much a recency bias sort of thing. Like, from time to time, this happens. Um, to, to suddenly say that based on the evidence of this one match only, Glenn Maxwell is not a reliable fifth bowler when he only got one over. And I don't know why they bowled him in the power play. Just if I was a Sri Lankan batsman and you said, "Oh, we're going to take um, the quicks off and bring on uh, Maxwell right now," I'd have been pretty happy. They're, they're much more happy. They're much more accustomed to accomplished against spin. So I thought it was the wrong thing to give him a bowl in the power play this time.
2: Yeah, they certainly did take him up one over for 16 for Maxwell and Stoinis three overs for 35. I guess they do have the other uh, option of Mitch Marsh. He could bowl a few overs, but I agree with you. I think it's something they have to accept. It's often the tactic in any limited overs game that you target the fifth bowler. So there's no surprises. They're doing this. Uh, It just, it's a shame. We can't squeeze a, a really good second spinner in there. We've got Steven Matlock here saying, when Swepson getting a run? You know, if they could squeeze him in, that'd be great, but it'd definitely shorten the batting.
1: Yeah, I suppose Agar, you know, his his batting's okay. Uh, Swepson's not the worst either, but yeah, you're right. Uh, One one other thing I thought was interesting was uh, when I was watching it, I was really disappointed when he brought Stoinis on to bowl, what was it, the fourth last over? Because I think... Finch was thinking, right, I've almost got my sums done perfectly, but I've got one extra over that I have to squeeze in. That What they should have done was say, that should be the 20th over because they they belted that uh, fourth last over from Stoinis. Had they gone straight to uh, Stark and Hazelwood then, they might not have had a 20th over. I, I think that's a mistake that captains sometimes make of, let's see if we can just squeeze it in, squeeze it in, rather than going for the jugular. And you know, by the time of the 20th over, most bowlers are going to get pumped anyway.
2: That's true. And sometimes when you squeeze in a bowler, like, uh, you know, a part-time bowler, it just gives the batters a little bit of time to sort of get settled. They might get a bit of confidence. So you're right. It's a tough one for skippers. Uh, Just to note, there's a few questions coming through and comments. Um, We'll we'll get to them at the end of uh, the broadcast think the best thing is to do is to sort of wrap up then we'll go through all the comments otherwise I end up just reading the whole time and um not really concentrating. Um before we go on congratulations Paul Cricket Daily is a finalist in the Australian Podcast Awards.
1: I did send you yeah. a message but I thought I'd tell you the the news live. Yeah, I couldn't believe it. That's fantastic. Um uh, it's really really nice to see. Yeah, I'm quite speechless. Um so yeah, congratulations to you. Uh, um so you know this is <laughs> this is great. <laughs>
2: Absolutely. And so thanks to all the contrib- contributors to it. All right. So let's continue. Um, Australia bowled Boldwell, Mitchell Stark, two for 27 off four overs. Hazelwood, none for 26 off four overs. Pat Cummins, two for 34. So another good all-round bowling performance. Sri Lanka restricted to six for 154. Were you nervous at the, the half halfway break that that total might be a little bit out of reach for the Aussies?
1: I thought we'd win, but I certainly had a a little bit of nerves. Even when the opening partnership started so well, I thought I have seen situations like this where we can go from cruising to suddenly if the middle order is exposed to quality spin and the wicket starts doing a bit, that it can unravel very, very quickly. So I think until – I think it was a boundary that Stoiners hit towards the end and made Justin Langer smile where the run rate dropped to about four or five and over needed and we – at that point when we did about 20 off 25 that was the only time i completely felt comfortable that's um <laughs> i suppose uh, shows what wow. we've had in the past sometimes <laughs>
2: Yeah, I sort of, you know me, I'm not particularly confident on this side, but at the halfway mark in Australia's innings where they just needed 60 off 60, I was very confident from there with the great Steve Smith there to knock it around that (laughs) would bring the show home. Uh, so, So let's start at the top of the order because I think it was such a welcome relief to everybody, the selectors of the Australian cricket team, the fans, the captain, the fact that. Finch got off to a a rocketing start with 37 of 23 deliveries, five fours and two sixes. And Finch actually took a bit of pressure off Warner early. He sort of um, opened the shoulders and and Warner 65 off 42. But those two, uh, I think, scored over 60 in the power play, which is the most expensive power play so far in the tournament. So that was,
1: you know, a real boost. It certainly was. And as the cliche goes, it's a game of small, of small margins. That one where Finch was given not out LBW early on. When it hit him, I thought, I wouldn't give that out. but I And I don't think the umpire will. But geez, he might. That's quite a lot of things to think about in one second, I suppose. But when they showed the replay and it was umpire's call, had he given it out, that would have been the end. And we might be having a very different conversation today.
2: Yeah, and there was also the bit of luck for David Warner where Chimera found his glove down leg side and Pereira the keeper dropped a a bit of a dolly, kind of ballooned to him and uh, that that sort of was a sort of the luck Warner needed
1: from there. He never looked back. Uh, it just exemplifies the the difference between the sides. the The Australian fielding w- was superb. The Australian fielding side is the best side in the world by a million miles. That every time Jadeja fields well, and the, they say, "Oh, he's a great fielder." I reckon if Jadeja was in the Australian field, in the Australian side, he'd be just an average fielder, a good average, solid fielder. They are all amazing. And the performance in the field was brilliant. Compare that to what we just described. Even before that, Finch hit a cut shot that was misfielded on the boundary, gifted Australia a four. The best thing about that caught behind was that the bowler was so certain that the keeper was going to catch it. He started celebrating uh, and the umpire had actually half raised his finger to give it out until they both then realised, oh my God, he's dropped that. Yeah, poor bowler. And uh,
2: Look that those little things they often say it but can just you know that little extra chance that warner gets you know he, he goes on to make 65 10 boundaries you know that could turn his career around i remember when justin langer was, was a about test to say that. player and she, he was he was facing show about 334 after. yes and he yes. was plumb middle of middle <laughs> stuff he goes on to make 100 and never looks back
1: I was going to say that. And I thought oh, I better not say that. Menas will be annoyed at me for bringing up irrelevant history. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're like two peas in a pod sometimes.
2: Show of Back has been in the news. I think we'll touch on that before we finish this broadcast. Yep. And then from there, look, Glenn Maxwell came out. He made five off six. Um, I think they wanted to try and boost the net run rate. Didn't work out that time. Steve Smith, uh, his normal uh, strike rate of 107. Don't be Don't 69. be insulting. Don't be I'm insulting. Just, saying, just, just making a point that's about he's, you know, he's sticking to his form. Twenty-eight not out of twenty-six
1: balls. Marcus Ston is sixteen
2: not out. What Steve Smith? Sorry, sorry,
1: Steve Smith. Ma- Maxwell Smith. is just about my Maxwell is just about my favorite player, but I thought it was a very poor shot that he played. I understand the notion of sending someone out to try to boost the net run rate, but don't take the game for granted. They should have sent Mitchell Stark out. I know everyone would have laughed at, you know, but. Send someone out who wasn't going to get a bat, a bat anyway. At the time that Maxwell got out, I thought, oh, this could open the door to that dreaded middle order collapse. And then Steve Smith walked out. And I thought everything's going to be okay. And it was. So don't, don't insult mm. Steve Smith.
2: I'm not insulting him. He's just playing form. Struck rate of 107. And then Marcus Stoinis a strike rate of 228.57, sixteen not out. Australia gets there with three overs to spare. So a little bit of a, a boost for their net run rate. I sort of thought that, Sri Lanka's bowling to me just looks a bit thin in the middle overs. Uh, they just don't seem to be able to exert much control, and I, I can't see them challenging many
1: teams going forward. Well, they've kind of done better than expected in some ways. Mm. Before the tournament, there was even talk that they might not get out of their out of their qualifying group. So. Uh, I, I think they made a mistake um, not just going in with an all-spin attack against Australia, that Australia lap up fast bowling and the, that that was probably their best chance of winning. But, yeah, I think Australia looked, Australia looked pretty good. Um, it was a, a thoroughly entertaining and enjoyable experience for an Australian fan and a comforting experience for a change.
2: Absolutely. And uh, it set up the clash on Saturday night between England and Australia to be an absolute humdinger. So... Both teams now are on top of Group One with two wins. Then you've got South Africa and Sri Lanka behind them on one win each. And then Bangladesh and the Windies yet to get a win from their two games. So, if England, whoever wins between England or Australia, that would be a significant step to making it to the semi finals. You know, the winner of that game, I would say it's a huge advantage going forward. Um, and yeah, I think it's going to be a great game.
1: I agree, I can't wait for it. But I think at this time, I, I, it might give you an opportunity to all of the um, regular listeners of Cricket Unfiltered to, to make your apologies that you said that Australia would be better off just keeping their players at home and playing Sheffield Shield at the moment and there's no point even sending the side over there. Mm-hmm. I've just gone on to the fantasy um, that there's a site where you can you can um, predict what was going to happen and they'll, they'll update the table for you. Here's what happens if I assume Australia loses to England and loses to West Indies and that, that Australia's only... Um, favourable result in the rest of the group stage is beating Bangladesh. Every other game, I just put in who, who I think would be favourite, so I try to get a fairly standard response, Australia still qualifies. Australia can lose those two games, they'll probably still qualify for the semi-finals in second place and may well play Pakistan if that was the way to, that it was eventu- going to eventuate. So from here, it would have to be a disaster for Australia not to make the semi-finals. So, you know, if it was up to you, um, you would said no to us being basically two big games away from winning the World Cup. You're way more confident than I am. I'm not even
2: sure we'll beat Bangladesh. They, they gave us a real touch up when we played them recently. But look, I will apologize, I guess, not unreservedly because Australia haven't won anything yet, but they, they've started better than I um, expected, but I, I still see some major holes in the Australian lineup and I think they'll get found out eventually and there've been such an awful tease this round t20 side they get on a roll and you think they're going to do well and then they just crash out I remember the 2010 uh, T20 World Cup final against England just just a terrible performance so I am scarred um but I, st- I just still think we're lacking that second spinner and there's no way to fix it and I don't know. If Zampa matches up to some of the other spinners like Adil Rashid for England, I think he outmatches Zampa.
1: He's a, I think he's a better bowler, but I think Zampa, at you know at his best, Zampa is fantastic, as they all are. I think that maybe Rashid and, and, and Rashid Khan and some of the other absolute top ones have more days where they dominate. But gosh, you can't do much more than what Zampa did today than um, last night. Oh, they mean, were starting. Yeah. That was um, that was a powerful performance, um, and um and and stark was um he still gets hit around a little bit because the ball just flies at his pace but that that yorker that he um that he delivered after he got hit for six was was particularly impressive as well
2: excellent well good performance can't wait for saturday night or sunday morning australian time for the taking on the old enemy a bit of an ashes warm-up uh two big games tonight
1: quick sorry a couple of other quick notes that i made just of of random stuff that i wanted to bring up um the um First of all, how good was Warner's reverse sweep when he was on one? Uh, talk about bravery. If he'd got out playing that shot, the, the headlines would have been all over the <laughs> shop. Um, I looked up the laws last week. Did you see where the, the Sri Lankan fielder fielded and his hat fell on the ball? And no. I, thought, oh, I wonder whether that's five runs. I didn't comment, but if anyone did notice it, I checked the laws. Said, that's that's okay. If it's accidental, it's not five runs. So that's a <laughs> – I'm sure something that's <laughs> been worrying a lot of our listeners – How good is the music between the the, um, overs? They got like a 90s party anthem. They had Peter Andre playing. I really uh, enjoyed that. And um, once again, someone's going to get killed sometime soon. That straight drive from Warner. That um, You see Glenn Maxwell's reaction when he was like, this. the bowler almost got hit there. Um, And one other thing. There was a bit of social media talk about a a fielding stop from Cummins on the boundary where he slid – tried to save it, missed it, and then um, swatted at the boundary rope. It's gone around virally of these people saying, oh, that's a typical Australian cheater trying to actually push the boundary rope back to stop the ball from going for four that way. i just like to say anyone who thinks that is clearly insane. That is not – there's no way that that's what he was trying to do. I criticise the Aussies whenever they need to be criticised, but that was idiotic that that was going around. It really annoyed me. I was fired up and – I was about to start firing off tweets and decided better not go to bed. And I woke up in the morning. as a bit calmer. But I just wanted to sort of um, vent my spleen just there about that. Good. Get it out. Two big
2: games tonight in the T20 World Cup. Bangladesh v. West Indies. Uh, both yet to get a win. So, you know, must win for one of those sides. You'd expect the Windies to get up, but no guarantees and then the second game, I, I cannot wait for this one, Afghanistan versus Pakistan. Mm. I think this is going to be a humdinger. Two sides that play a brand of T20 cricket that is crash, bang, wallop, we will smack the ball 100 metres, we will spin the ball as far as we can and we will give it a crack. I mean, this is must-stay-up-for TV.
1: Yeah, it's, it could be the most entertaining game of the entire tournament. Um, I can't wait for it. And, the, you know, two sides that are um, – um they've got a, you know, a, a bit of a, a burgeoning rivalry as well. So it's going to be pretty exciting.
2: Yeah, and I love watching Afghanistan play because remember when Warn used to come on and there was that buzz about, you know, what's he going to do? I think there is that little bit of magic around some of the Afghanistani spinners, Mujibur yeah. Rahman and Rashid Khan. They just bring something to game that really lit, it brings it to life. Uh, Muhammad sure. Nabi. I mean, I mean, it's just just a great team. So... Be watching that one. And then tomorrow night, South Africa, Sri Lanka, and then into the Australia-England game. Paul, what have you made uh, since our last full episode of the Cricket Unfiltered podcast? There's been a huge controversy around Quinton de Kock uh, refusing to take a knee before the game, South Africa, two nights ago, and then he's since issued a sort of unreserved apology, and he will be taking
1: a knee now. What's your take on this whole issue? I'm pleased that he's decided to take a knee. Uh, I, I think that Darren, Sammy and Pommy and Bangwa's commentary just after it happened was quite telling. Both are people of colour and both were clearly, they didn't say it in, a, in in so many words, but you could tell they were both hurt by the fact that he had made that decision. I think that's, that's the key point. And I think anyone who looks at Michael Holdings' brilliant um, monologue that he delivered during the... Uh, the the cricket eighteen months ago during the rain delay. If you haven't seen that, go to YouTube and, and type it in and look it up because it's about fifteen minutes. It's very well worth watching. And after that, I think you realise why it is so important that you know racism that has been around for hundreds of years or thousands of years, and sadly is still right around today. And that the Black Lives Matter movement is so important that I kind of I get where people like Michael Vaughan are coming from when they say you shouldn't force someone to do something but i just think in the grand scheme of things if you listen to the way that the, those two commentators reacted if you read watch what michael holding said and you really understand what a massive issue it was i think i, I would say that most people would say that it's the right thing to do uh, and so i'm really glad that he has now he has now decided to do it but it's been a a very disappointing um few days yeah you're right and
2: I echo your sentiments there that I'm really glad he apologised. It would have been so sad if Quentin de Kock was lost to international cricket because of this. So that's not the case. He he wrote a a very heartfelt letter explaining um, his feelings of it. And it seems a lot of it just boils down to the fact that Cricket South Africa sprung this on the team not long before a game. And I think he felt blindsided. But in the end... I sort of think whether you can, you can have your own individual feelings that that's not, but but if you're representing your country on a sporting field, doing this symbol to, to to make it clear that you're striving for equality, I think is not too much to ask a player. It is not, it's not sort of infringing on their rights as a human. It's, it's, it's like wearing a blazer um, in a team photo. Just, you know, you've got to show, the right symbols and i think it's such an important message that they're delivering and i'm just glad it's been resolved like this because i really thought that would be it for quinton de Kock, and uh, he'd be playing t20 cricket around the world
1: yeah um, and it'd be good to see the whole south african side taking a knee before next game
2: i heard the most galling interview on sen yesterday grant elliott the former kiwi the former Kiwi cricketer, but he's South African, was interviewed by Jared Whateley, and he made a series of bizarre comments. I really think Grant Elliott needs to go and get his head red and maybe broaden his horizons. He said things like, "I don't see colour, red flag. He said things like, uh, "When Quinton de Kock was born, there was no apartheid," red flag. I mean, really, the, the yellow card, red card, off you go, Elliott. That was that was bizarre. So if if you want to hear some strange stuff, find that online. South Africa, though, they've won two from two, uh, one from two. So big victory for them when everything was against them. Um, what did you think of? Did you see Show of Akhtar walking <laughs> off set um in the Pakistan television? He, he was being on a panel show with David Gow, Viv Richards, and he he quit on air.
1: Yeah, he's um a lively character. I did see it, although um I just got a surprise to see David Gower there. And I've, I was really pleased to see that David Gower's got a job. Um, and he he spoke about it in his kind of usual, urbane, understated way. But, yeah, the um, there's been quite a few things out of that India-Pakistan game which underline just how much it means to just how many people. And there's been some pretty bad takes along the way. But some, as I said in the cricket I filtered the other day, the, the, the thing that was best out of that whole game was the Embrace between Kohli and Babar Barbara, Barbara Azam and Mohammad Rizwan after they had beaten India. I thought that was a, a lovely gesture from Kohli, and um, you know, showed without wanting to be too much of a cliche about how cricket can be a force for good.
2: Absolutely. Well, what was this Waka Yunus controversy? I just glanced at something that he made a comment that was take about religion or something. Well, what do you know? What happened?
1: Yeah. So, um, Mohammad Rizwan, um at some point, I think it was after the game, was went on his knees and was praying. And um, Waka made a, a comment to the effect of that um, it was a highlight seeing um, him performing that prayer in front of all the Hindus or, or words to that effect. And yeah. Harsha Bogle, um, who's normally quite mild-mannered, really called him out on this and said that, you know, we're trying to see beyond religious differences and how disappointing it was, and that he expected that there'd be a, um, an apology coming from Waka Unis, and that and there duly was. So, yeah, um, another <laughs> uh, uh, another strange one.
2: <laughs> Crazy few days in the T Twenty World Cup. Yeah, <laughs> hopefully we can get back to talking about sixes and fours. And not that I think you can ever live in a bubble. And no, you know, uh, I think Jared Waitley actually puts it best that you know cricket is always a reflection of life. So you know, if there's... Problems in the real world, they're going to be reflected in the cricket and uh, you just have to accept that.
1: Yep, absolutely.
2: All righty, Paul. Well, look, I think we'll leave it there for this edition. Anything else you want to raise before we um, end this broadcast?
1: Uh, No, it has been continues to be a really entertaining World Cup. Um, I'm I'm delighted that Australia are two from two. We're really looking forward to the game against England. I think England definitely start as favourites. But as I said... Uh, Not assuming that we're going to beat Bangladesh at all. We may not, but... If we do lose to England and we do lose to West Indies, there is still every chance that we'll qualify for the semis. So, Australia at this stage looking pretty good. <laughs> let's see how this. Uh, age Australia. Yes. We're going to yes. we're <laughs> gonna,
2: we're gonna win it. Um, all righty. Well, Paul, <laughs> let's try and do something after the England game on Sunday. At some point, we'll squeeze in a quick chat to review it. And uh, thanks to everyone who's watched. Thanks to everybody that's listened because I'm going to put this out on the Cricket Daily and Cricket Unfiltered feed. And uh, we'll be back soon. See ya.
0: On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now. Driving. At your desk. Maybe at the gym. But you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach. And see a rocket launch. Or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad plan your adventure today at visit spacecoast.com sports social podcast network
2: waiting on a tax return hopefully it ends up in your hands fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30 percent in 2023 if you're in a bind this tax season Lifelock can help